Today, our guest on the Array podcast is Ryan Hoover. Ryan is the founder of Product Hunt, place to discover your next favorite thing. Product Hunt was funded by investors like Andreessen Horvitz, Greylock, Slow Ventures, and Alexis Ohanian. Product Hunt was recently acquired by AngelList, a company where world meets startups. Ryan is one of the most genuine founders I know in Silicon Valley. He's built quite a brand for himself, especially on Twitter. In this podcast, we talk about how Ryan built one of the largest communities on the web for Product Hunt, some of his favorite launches on the website, and his decision to sell to AngelList. Welcome to Array Podcast, the platform to discover hacks and skills you need at different stages of building your business. I'm your host, Shruti Gandhi, founder and managing partner of Array Ventures. Array Ventures invests in founders focused on solving problems, leveraging big data, artificial intelligence, and machine learning. Visit us on array.vc. You have been one of those folks that kind of moved to Silicon Valley early on and have created quite a name for yourself. I know the audience would really love to hear about You know, after looking at different opportunities and everything, it was very clear that San Francisco was like this giant magnet. And there were very few other cities that I found myself like landing, but the San Francisco was, was one of those. Um, and I ended up connecting with an old boss of mine, and, and he ended up taking a chance on me and recruiting me to uh, a company called Playhaven. Um, so this was 2010 when I moved from Portland to uh, San Francisco and joined Playhaven. Um, it was a really small company, about 10 people at the time. Um, so that's, that's what cool. led me here, and it's been so it's been almost seven years since I moved. And then you started curating cool things. <laughs> yeah, well, actually, what, what I started doing then is I, I was really focused at Playhaven. Um, I was doing product management there. Uh, was again 10 people to come, so really really small. But then we grew, well, we downsized at one point. There's a whole history there and kind of crazy story. Um, but we went through some layoffs. I survived through some of those. Then we grew and figured out something that worked and grew to 100 people or so. Um, and it was during that time that I was not only working on at Playhaven, but then like a little bit later um, in my, my years in San Francisco, I started doing more writing, and, um, you know, doing brunches with, with founders and other people in, in the tech industry and just building relationships with various people. Um, which actually is very important because that's that's what led me to to kind of get more curious, interested in technology, um, and ultimately when before Product Hunt started, I had this um, very very small but like an audience of, of friends and people in the industry um, that paid attention a little bit. So, How did you meet those founders? A lot of it was Twitter's. Uh, I have to thank Twitter for a lot of of my relationships and people that I know. Um, everyone from good friends to teammates that are on Product Hunt team right now today to, um, and maybe we met through Twitter, I don't even know, probably. <laughs> probably. Um, and, and so a lot of it, frankly, is engaging in talking to people on Twitter, uh, reading articles, sharing articles, um, writing myself, uh, doing these brunches, and um, you know, just, just being kind of involved in the industry to yeah. some extent. Um, and after doing that for several months, several years, um, just to lead to Sarah McVinian, Things like that. So would would you say if someone coming in new today would have the same reach and access on Twitter as you did um, then, or do you think they should find another platform? That's an interesting question. I think still today, people who are in technology are still a lot of them are on Twitter. Uh, so I don't think that's dramatically changed in the past five years or so. Uh, I find Twitter uh, 
the best place to really get to know people. And it actually is the only place probably on the internet where you can actually connect with maybe people you admire or want to connect with. Like you can try cold emailing them and maybe they'll respond. But Twitter is the, the only place where you can have a lot of lightweight interactions and touches and things like that. And when someone sees your face and your name and, and hopefully your see says something intelligent, multiple times over the course of 12 months, 24 months, starts to, it starts to build a relationship with them to some extent. And they start to trust and understand you a little bit more. Um, so it's probably the only platform that you can actually do that mm -hmm. outside of you know, running into them in, in person. I mean, in person is the best place to get to know someone, but obviously very difficult for some, most people um, and also not very scary. Do you sleep? Do you have a bot? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're responding to everyone on Twitter. But most people on Twitter, I feel like you're pretty kind with your emojis and likes and <laughs> loves and tweets. And how do you do it? Hopefully, Twitter is both both uh, personal and professionally um, rewarding, I guess. So I, I naturally gravitate towards it. I enjoy talking to people and uh, hearing what people are saying and sharing, and, and it's where I get my news, for better or worse, and all these other things. Um, but it's also what we use to communicate with our community and product hunt very often. So it's not only a place to, of course, broadcast things like here's this cool new product by this this company or this person, um, but it's also a place to talk with other people in the community and get feedback. I use TweetDeck, and, and so I have uh, there are three main columns that I look at. Of course, there's my timeline, there are my mentions with people that reply yeah. to me, and then the third column is any mention of Product um, and it's also spelled multiple ways. Like when people like don't use a space in Product Hunt, it's yeah. like I, I make sure I include all of those. Um, <laughs> Variations and so I see almost every single tweet about product every day. So I see what they're sharing. I see what people are talking about. I see customer support requests, um, everything, and I respond to a lot of them every yeah. day. And I find that that's been a good way to stay kind of have a pulse of what people are talking about. Or if there are themes or, or complaints that come up, you can clearly like, see those things pop out. Um, and then it's also just fun. Like people don't expect sometimes uh, you know me to reply when I'm, someone mentions something about product. Here's why Ryan started Product Hunt. So, going back to Playhaven, I was there for, for about three years, and after being there for three years, I realized, okay, I love the team, love the mission, love what we're doing, but I was tired of building things for other people. I was, you know, building tools for game developers, and that was cool and everything, but I, I really wanted to build something for myself. Um, I also wanted to try and challenge myself to do something different and also get back to a smaller company and team, something that I could um, feel feel like I had more autonomy um, in. And so I ended up at that point just giving notice, saying, hey, I'm, I think it's best that I find something different. Like, like we'll, we'll stay here two months, you know, give, give some time to transition out. Uh, that ended up turning into a part-time role. So I ended up not just leaving, but actually switching to part-time. That was like a, a great situation for me, frankly. Um, I was in a very fortunate position to have financial, uh, there's like a metaphor of like treading the water in San Francisco. Like my salary was basically cut in half so I could like afford my, my tenderloin apartment. Um, <laughs> but you know, I didn't, I wasn't saving money, but I could at least stay up. So I was like staying afloat in San Francisco, which gave me time to then figure out what I wanted to do next. So I interviewed at some companies and some startups and none of them were really a good fit. Um, and then meanwhile, I was experimenting and one of those things was product. And I was like, I love products, I love apps, I love discovering new things. I'm always sharing them with friends. Me and my friends are always text messaging each other new things or in group chat sharing new apps or things we find. Uh, but I didn't know of any place online which aggregated all 
those things. I didn't know a place on the internet where you could say, here's what's new in Colton Tech. And so that was really the, the inspiration at the very beginning. It was very simple. Um, and then, of course, turning into an email list is, is the beginning. And that was kind of a good MVP to, to get things started. Are you an engineer? No, I'm not. And you taught yourself how to do this? Well, so... It was an email list. You I want to hear the details. Yeah. So I... It was both like a gift and a curse. So not being an engineer, I, I couldn't just sort of put my head down and spend weeks building like some Ruby on Rails app or something like, or something like you see on product today. Um, so I couldn't do that personally. So I was forced to get creative. And fortunately, being creative forced me to also build like the simplest thing possible. Simplest thing possible, in my mind, was email. Mm -hmm. People use email all the time. It's a great distribution channel. And for me, it seemed like the easiest path to build something that people might start using. So uh, it was actually even easier than you probably might even think. I actually used a service called Linkedin. Mm -hmm. Have you heard of it? No. So it's no longer around, but it was made by a team called uh, Makeshift, which was in London. They were hacking and building all these different tools. And they built this, this thing called Linkedin, which is a collaborative email line. The way it works is you create a digest, you invite people, so I can invite you. And when you're a, a collaborator, then you can basically be a, uh, you can basically share links. So you, you would shit, send links to this service. Every day it would automatically compile all the links back and then distribute it to the email list. So it required no manual effort all like 20 minutes. What's the new up. version of that? <laughs> I know there's actually, um, review is probably the closest thing. Um, it's very, it's a different model, but uh, I'm actually using it personally for my email list. Okay. Um, Wait, I want to be on that email list. Yes, it's, um, I should know that you were off the top of my head, but it's, <laughs> if you search for RR Hoover Review, okay. it'll probably come up. Okay. Um, yeah, it's a pretty cool service for like setting up digests and things okay. like that. Um, but yeah, LinkedIn was a super simple service. It, it allowed me to get it off the ground. Uh, it, was, it was some morning, like super, super early at Phil's. I was like, all right, I'm going to do this thing. And so that's where product was born. I tweeted it out, put it on Quib, uh, which was a yeah. community I was a part of at the time very heavily, and, um, and that was the beginning. Cool, and how often did you send it? So then, uh, at that point, it was like three weeks past, and this, this digest was more and more people were subscribing, some people emailed me and said, hey, I like this product email, that's really cool, and I started getting more confidence that not just me, but other people wanted this thing too. And so then I'm like, all right, this is cool, but it's pretty limiting, you can't do much in email. Uh, I would love to create this into a, a site in the community online, and so I'm thinking, okay, how do I do that? What would it look like? So first off, I was like, it needs to be simple. It needs to be something that we can build relatively quickly. I don't want to reinvent and create something that would take months and months to, to build because then you don't know if anyone's going to use it. Um, and two, I wanted to, to make sure people would know how to use it. So we looked at like Hacker News and Reddit and mm -hmm. other platforms and basically didn't reinvent the wheel, but just modeled it after the similar communities and similar um, constructs. Mm -hmm. And uh, reached out to my friend Nathan Bashad and uh, I was like, hey, hey Nathan, do you, like, how should I build this? Should I use Telescope? Should I like, learn Ruby on Rails? Like, what's the easiest, like, best way for me to make this, this thing come alive? Um, and he was kind of in, in, in excited about Project. He's like, hey, I'm at my parents' house. I'm like, for Thanksgiving, I have some time. Um, he didn't say that. So we worked on it, um, hacked on it together, collaborated remotely, and um, had the first version up in, like, five days of, of working on it. Um, really, really basic website. But uh, then we worked on that for a while. Uh, at one point, I was, um, ended up paying this, this guy named Ricardo in Italy, a developer, um, who my friend Stefano introduced me to. And he was hacking on it a little bit with me on the, on the side. 
So how does one pay a developer when they are staying afloat for rent in San Francisco? Well, it was it was uh, Ricardo was in Italy, so it wasn't like San Francisco. Okay. And it was also maybe twenty hours a week, so it wasn't like full time employment or anything. So you really have a conviction, though. That's the point. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was it was enough to you put your own money in this and kind of get it going and build something. Yeah. You didn't know how you're going to make money from it, though. Yeah, at the time it was in. We didn't call it a startup. We we still called it a side project. Mm -hmm. um, it went from like experiment to side project, and then eventually startup. Um, but it was still a, a project and it was still experimental and still trying to figure out what could this be. And after working on it for then some months, uh, you realize, okay, well, it's, it seems to be growing more and more and you start thinking, what could it become? And then you start thinking, okay, what could it become? And then how do you make it become that? Mm -hmm. And to make it become something bigger, you need more people than just mm -hmm. Ricardo. Um, <laughs> unfortunately, Ricardo's great, but he's, you need more people than him. Um, and then how do you get more people? Well, you need to pay them probably. Now there is actually a, a alternate history and an alternate path where I please share. Yeah, <laughs> there was an interesting idea that that I had um, around enabling the community to build it entirely open source. Mm. And I thought, okay, what if if I couldn't pay people, how could I enable the community, which are already people who are designers, engineers, and so on? to work on this together and actually build a product. Um, like the linking, but like a little better and larger. Yeah, exactly. And I thought that would be an interesting path, but but then I was also I had some hesitations to like, has any has anything big that's been successful been built entirely open source mm -hmm. and non like completely distributed? Mm -hmm. And could I pull that off? Um, and there's a lot of risk. I, I can't really think of a good example um, off the top of my head of, of, of a company that's achieved that. So. Anyway, I ended up deciding, okay, we want to build a team, we want to turn this into something much bigger than it is today, and we need to hire people for that. One way to do that is to raise money. Like Wikipedia? <laughs> to some extent, um, but Wikipedia still has people that work there. Not Wikipedia. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, they're open source products which are very successful, but not businesses that yeah. make money. Um, and we were actually making some money in the beginning. We, we were doing job posts. We, we actually, <laughs> um, we just made up the pricing, like, it was like this seems like a, the right amount, like five thousand dollars for like five job postings. Okay, that, and I just tested the market and we put in the email at the top. It was like uh, I'm creating our, some of our partners at the time, like uh, Gumroad. I think was one of the early ones. Yeah. Ryan Delk, Venmo um, yeah. me money. Uh, he didn't have like an incorporation, no bank account. Nice. He just like Venmo's me five hundred dollars or something. Um, <laughs> and so we just put like Gumroad's hiring, and that paid some like Heroku bill and some things like that early cool. on. Cool. Um, so we had some some early. I would love to hear your back end story. Like on the front, it could look cool of some cool launches, but like what was happening in the back? We had those issues where uh, this was still in the early days. It was just, uh, this is pre, I don't even know if Ricardo was working with us at all, but <laughs> me and Nathan were just hacking on it. And for some reason, it was every Friday around 5 p.m., most fri 5 p.m. Fridays, the site would just go down. Oh, no. And that's, like, the worst time. You're like, I know. You're, like, leaving work. You're maybe meeting up with friends, and the site's down. It was so stressful, and we had no idea why it was was breaking. It just, like, would randomly happen. But we knew what the fix was. The fix was to restart Heroku every single time. So I had, like, the Heroku app in my, on my phone, and uh, whenever I would get, like, somebody tweet at me saying, hey, like, the site's down, or I don't even know if we had, like, I don't think we had any monitoring service set up to like monitor when the yeah. site's down at the time. Uh, I would just like open up the Roku app and start <laughs> the service, and it just worked. Done. Like, it was done, but it was like so stressful because I'd wake up or like just be 
nervous that the site was just going to yeah. stop working all of a sudden. Um, so thankfully, we're a lot more stable. <laughs> um, however, we did we took ourselves we almost like DDoSed ourselves yesterday. Um, oh well. Sort of. Uh, we so we send browser notifications for like breaking launches and like when people mention you, you get a browser notification if you haven't enabled. And uh, we sent one for something um, and it took the site down because we just had a, a flood of people coming in all at once. So what, tell us about one or two launches that you really like. feel like you're part of the launch and that company has now become something because of Fred Yeah, it's, yeah. yeah, I never want to take um, credit. I know, yeah, I, never I want see credit, that. But, right. um, Obviously, it's, they built it, but you gave yeah. them the platform. Yeah, I think one of them, which I, I really love, is, is the Meerkat story, mm -hmm. um, for a number of reasons. Yeah. Uh, Meerkat launched, and it was, it, it was actually... I had a friend, a friend of mine actually emailed me before the launch. I was like, hey, I have this friend that's building this live streaming startup, like, just, just like, heads up. And I didn't think of any, anything of it. Um, I didn't actually check out the app at the time. Then I remember seeing Meerkat launch on Product Hunt, and then it just kind of like blew up within the tech ecosystem. And I was playing with it and having fun. And um, they went on to, of course, raise money with Greylock. It's, it, you know, very few apps or products in the consumer space hit this, like, almost magical moment. Where you, it feels new and fresh and different. And at the time, Meerkat just felt so new and fresh, and it enabled. Like I, did, I would just stream like myself walking home, and granted, that's like the most boring thing ever. But I'd have all these people chime in and like watch, and it was like in chat, like, watch out, like you're a Nintendo line, you're walking home, be careful. Um, and something about it was just so magical or special. Yeah. Um, and then of course, like I got to know Ben and Ruben of Meerkat. Uh, a bit more after that, and he's just one of the more authentic, kind of like genuine people that I've met probably in the past few years. Um, and then, of course, they Meerkat ultimately didn't work, but they realized something that did work with Meerkat and basically saw a user behavior and built a product that served that user behavior, which became House Party. Yeah, um, so their story is still I don't know what chapter they're in, but they're still the story is still continuing, but they're doing well. Um, yeah, that's what I well. hear. How do you build this community, right? You have to ask, like, yeah. a lot of companies want to build a community of loyalty that you and the company have built, um, but it's just hard. What do you think you did right? I think... Like, it's just a genuine, honest, friendly community, and um, I think that that's, like, a remarkable thing. People feel like you're their friend. I think part of it is there's, there's a, an aspect of, like, the tactics or like the ways that we build the community, and there's also the more uh, strategic kind of like almost like a hindsight realization, and that's actually more important in some ways. Um, what do you mean by that? Is before product time, there was really no place to talk with makers of these products, and there was really no place for conversation mm -hmm. in the tech community outside of like Twitter itself, or uh, maybe like niches within Reddit or other kind of yeah. more broader social networks. Um, and I didn't realize at the time, but in hindsight, after Parkman got traction and, and attracted this kind of like ecosystem, um, I didn't realize that there was like a hole in the market. There was no place for this kind of stuff. And, um, and so without that, no matter what you do, if you don't have something that is going to appeal to a certain audience, no matter what you do, what tactics you do, part of it is just choosing that, like what, what does the market need and who is the audience you're attracting and then building for those people. Um, and there's a lot of other so what does the audience need right now? You still are very, very popular. Yeah, there's there's a lot of, so there's something that we launched last week, actually, um, which 
takes Project in a little bit different direction. Not, I wouldn't say it takes it in a different direction, but expands the platform to serve other needs. Um, it's called Ask Project. I don't mm -hmm. know if, if you've seen it. Um, but historically, Project has been a place where you discover, here's what's new and cool today. And it's kind of like the way I've described it, and our goal was to make it like Christmas. Like you, you wake up in the morning and you open up Project and you find cool things that you can play with and use and download and buy. Mm -hmm. And that's our goal. But over time, as we start building the community and, and the platform itself, and now we have like 90,000 plus products posted, we have this database, this whole uh, wealth of not only data, but also all these products. Many of them are actually better than when they were on product on the first, first day. Yeah. The irony is that we're surfacing products in their earliest state, mm -hmm. uh, but oftentimes a product that's three years old is actually a better product for a particular need. Mm -hmm. So we introduced Ask Product, which is our, our really goal to serve the, the use case of search. How do we help people find what they're looking for ultimately? And those are very different use cases than like show me cool stuff that I didn't know existed. Right. Um, and so we're getting a lot of really good feedback. Actually, the, we set some like KPIs and goals on launch day and we're 5Xing those goals that we set. So people are using it um, and it's still like very bare bones and we have a lot of work to do to improve it. But our hope is that it will ultimately become the place that people go to to search for products over time. Um, so if you're looking for a new calendar app for your iPhone or you know, you're know you like, hey, is there a CRM that integrates with my Gmail account that does XYZ? Right. Um, I see you asking those questions on Twitter. Yeah, and a lot of people do, actually. Yeah. A lot of people ask those questions on Twitter. The problem with that solution is you, if you don't have any like a significant number of followers, you're going to get no responses. Mm -hmm. um, and then if you do have any followers or a lot of followers, you're going to get a lot of right. 140 character responses mm -hmm. that don't really necessarily maybe answer your question yeah. um, as well. I've actually asked these questions, and I have repeat answers. So it doesn't really, yeah. it's just not the right format for mm -hmm. product discovery, ultimately. Um, so... So that's a big kind of shift to where we're taking the product, expanding upon that use case. Um, and then we're doing a lot of other things too, but that's one of them. <laughs> cool. What made you want to merge with Angel? So yeah, I met Naval and uh, always had been following him for a while and admired AngelList and met him and he ended up, long story short, investing uh, in our seed round. Then we did Series A at one point and he invested in that round as well. And uh, we just stayed in touch and he'd been supportive from them. Really, really early on. Um, so then, fast forward to middle to late last year, uh, we reconnected, started talking about what we're working on. And um, short version is like, I mean, Angelus has historically been about helping companies get funding, helping companies mm -hmm. uh, acquire talent, like recruit a team. Those are two like major challenges that every company has. We've historically been how do we get users? So those are like three major pillars that every company has a challenge with. And so after talking with him and his team more and more, it's like, well, together we can help companies uh, with all three of these things. And there's some interesting things that we'll be doing to support both the fundraising and talent side and, and likewise with then helping us with the, the user acquisition pieces. Um, so it was, it was very much like a, like most um, kind of acquisitions, the, the ideal ones are, I hate using these, this, this comparison, but like one plus one equals three, where it's like <laughs> very clear fits, where for both building for yeah. a similar audience, yeah. but building different values yeah. and, and, and offerings for those, those people. Well, very cool. Thank you so much for coming here. Um, yeah. I think we need a part two for this. Well, thanks for having me. Well, and for people who are listening to this and aren't already, already following you, how do they follow you? I'm on uh, everything. I'm <laughs> on Twitter, rrhoover, Snapchat, rrhoover, uh, Angelus. Actually, Angelus might be Ryan Hoover. 
search for me. Frog's on the R.R. Hoover. Where else am I? Um, you can yummy. Um, R.R. Hoover. I think it still still works. I'm still on it. Someone please yummy. I hope you enjoy Reach Ryan. If you like this podcast, you might like some of our older podcasts by Justin Khan, whose company Twitch sold to Amazon for a billion dollars, and Jonathan Abrams, founder of Friendster. It's over, folks. Ciao. Yes. Just kidding. Oh, it's want to make sure it's clear. Yes. You're saying it right. Not LinkedIn. <laughs> 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 I'm imagining that. I don't know why. I don't know why I searched it. It's like trying a brick to water, wall. It's trying to water a brick wall. I mean, if you water a brick wall, wall, it's not going to grow. grow. It'll never grow. Um, so you got to make sure you're watering. Something else, like plant. <laughs> uh, you gotta add sun, you gotta add all the ingredients. <laughs>